For more information about First Baptist Church, visit our website at fbclawschool.org. Amen. Lord, send revival. Send it now. Lord, we're ready. And uh, I just thank, thank you so much, Danny and the praise team, for leading us into the throne room of the Lord so that we can study His Word together and He, where our hearts have been prepared to receive what He has got for us today. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. We've been talking about this this need that we have as a people, as individuals, as a church, for God to just bring revival to our hearts, bring revival to our church, bring revival to our land. We just want God to make us everything that He knows we can be. Everything that He has got planned for us, everything He has got designed for us, we just pray out to God, God, I am desperate for you today. I am desperate for who you are. I'm desperate for who you want me to be. God, I just want you to, to touch me and to, to make me the blessing to the kingdom that you created me to be. That should be our prayer. It should be our, our just plea, our plea, our earnest plea to God. You know, I was talking to Dr. Gentry. And by the way, if you didn't make Sunday school online, you missed a good lesson. Dr. Gentry did an awesome job with our lesson this morning, and I told him after it was over, I said, you know, I deliberately don't read the, the Sunday school message before I write my message because I don't want there to be any kind of, I don't want to force any kind of overlap. I love it when God puts things together, whether it's the music and the, and the message, whether it's Sunday school and the, and the sermon, God puts it all together because God's got something he wants us to know. And so I was sitting there listening to the lesson this morning, uh, the Sunday school lesson this morning, I was thinking to myself, man, this is awesome. This, this really just dovetails right into what we're going to be talking about in the message today. Because uh, Solomon was talking about wisdom, and we learned last week that, that the thing that wisdom likes more, more than anything else is truth. Truth. And we're talking today about the fact that, that, that God wants us to, uh, to be truthful. He wants us to be, speak truth. He wants truth to be on our lips, not, not lies, not deception. And part of truth is, is being honest. Being honest with each other, being honest with ourselves, being honest with God. That's what truth is. And we're going to talk today about getting honest. If we, want to, if we want to experience revival, if we want to be everything that God wants us to be as people and as a church, we're going to need to get honest with each other. And so to do that, we're going to take a look at Psalm 63 as kind of our, as kind of our verse today. David is betrayed. David is on the run. He is hurting emotionally. He is suffering physically. His son is trying to kill him. He'd already run him out of the capital. David was on the run for his life. And he was hurting. He had experienced defeat. He had experienced rejection and exile and loss. Now, this is the person that God has ordained to be king. This is a man after God's own heart. This is a person that God has placed his hand on. 
that was experiencing these things. Those of us who are going through tough times and trials and we wonder where God is. God is exactly where He is supposed to be. God is on His throne. He's in the middle of our lives, but there are some things that we've got to experience sometimes. Right? And David's story tells us this. This is not some person that was on the outs with the Lord. But David was going through some tough times. Samuel recounts the history of David's journey. Okay, if you want to see the journey about his, 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 his exile, his fight with, with, with his son, and his restoration to the throne, if you want to see that historically, Samuel tells us that. But Psalms, Psalms takes the same story and gives us insight into David's heart. This is not just what happened to David from a historical perspective. This is what David was experiencing. This is his, this is his heart. God was using this time of defeat and exile to teach David something. And I think that's an important lesson for us too. Sometimes the seasons of life that we go through, God is using to teach us, to teach us something. He was forcing David to be honest with him. I mean, when you get down to the point where it's just you and God, there is a, there's an authenticity, there is a truth... There is a, 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 a desperation that, that just causes you to be totally honest with God. And when we're at that point, God can do tremendous, awesome things with us when we're honest with Him. Getting honest with God and getting honest with yourself about you is the key. It's the key factor if true an authentic revival is going to take place in our lives and in the life of the church. We've got to get honest with God about ourselves. God is always honest with us. Sometimes that's why we don't want to listen to Him, right? God is always honest with, with us about ourselves, but it's time for us to get honest with God about us. In Psalm 63, we find a man of God who is seeking God at a deeper level than we could possibly imagine. He is desperate for God. He has reached that point where he is not concerned about his abilities anymore. He's not concerned about what he can do anymore. He is most concerned, he is most focused on what God is going to do in his life, in the life of his nation. What God is going to do. You know, again, as with Psalm 60 and 61 and 62... This particular psalm was also probably written about the time that Absalom rebelled against David, his father, ran him out of the kingdom, ran him off into the desert. David had been driven into the wilderness of Judea. So not only was he physically in the wilderness, but he kind of probably felt that he was spiritually in the wilderness too, right? He was calling out to God, but just listen, if you will, if, as we look at, at Psalm 63, just listen to the passion of that's in his heart when he calls out to God, starting in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate 
on you in the night watches. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Powerful prayer from a man who was desperate for God. The wilderness of Judea is a barren, desolate place. Very little can be found there to sustain life. It's just like, it's like being run out of town into the desert. There's just nothing there. It's just a vast expanse of nothing. It's a dangerous place where only the strong are able to survive. Surely being out in the open of this, of this big expanse of, of heat and, and, and sand and dust and, and, and nothingness made David, his spirit, feel even more exhausted. Wouldn't you think? I mean, even more than he was, his spirit had to weigh on him because he was out in this place that really couldn't sustain life. But he was there. His heart was heavy and broken. His heart had to be grieving as he longed for home, as he longed for Jerusalem, as he longed for the temple, as he longed for his palace, as he longed for all of these things that had, that had come to be known by him as, as home and comfort. He was away from all of that. Just him and God. And as he, as he penned these words, I say penned, as he wrote these words, he could remember the good times in the sanctuary. He can remember the good times when he was riding high spiritually, when God seemed to be uh, everywhere about him, when his power and glory were, were just thick. When everything he did, God touched and blessed. When, when, when he was close to God, when everything was going well, he remembers those times. And I think the important thing is, is that he remembers those times when things were good, when things were bad. Right? He remembers the times that were good. Now he was in the wilderness, hot, dry, and hungry, a long way, a long way from the security of home, a long way from the security of Jerusalem. And I think that you can appreciate about David, there's a lot, but I think the thing that you can appreciate about David, one of the things that makes him relatable to us, is that David didn't write these really Pollyanna pie-in-the-sky songs, okay? Everything wasn't always awesome when David wrote his songs. The, the, the stuff that he says was, is, are things that we can relate to. I mean, he knew life on the mountaintops. He knew life in the valley. And his honesty, his authenticity, I think brings comfort to millions of us who have struggled with life over the centuries, right? The, the fact that we can read the Psalms and we can see our life in it may not the experiences are not the same the experience is not the same but the emotions are how would we be able to relate how would we feel if all of the characters in the bible had smooth sailing right we wouldn't be able to relate to any of them all the time but if you look at the at the folks in the bible that god has given us to read about, to learn about, that God has, has, has uh, stood up in front of us as, as 
witnesses and, and testimonies and, and mentors, spiritual mentors, those folks that, that we see their life, we, we see broken people. We see people that went through tough stuff. We see people that had times where they felt close to God and that everything was going great. And there are times where they, they lied about their family, where they were on the run from folks trying to kill them, where, where they, had, uh, they had accepted the promise of God's blessing, but it had never really... But, but when times got tough, they abandoned that and started trying to do their own thing. And we see how that turned out. God uses these people in every single circumstance in their life because it's relatable to us, right? We know there are times that are, that are good. And we see in the Bible where the folks praise God for the, for the good times. They praise God when things are going well, but then we also see times where things are not going so great. And what do we see these people? We see them praising God as well. We see them praising God in the storm. We see them praising God when the folks around them said, why do you do that? Why, do you, why are you singing praises to your God? He says, because he's not, he's not helping. doesn't appear to be helping you at all. And those are lessons for us to learn as well. You see, he wrote the things that we would write. If we were going through these things, if we could, he wrote those things because he had experienced life in a way that we can relate to. Emotionally, we can relate to those, to those things. Some of the Psalms were written during times when everything seemed like the wind was at David's back. Everything was going well. The favor of God was on every decision that he made. And other times, though... The Psalms David wrote were written when it seemed like every wind was in his face. Every wind brought another storm of, of, of despair and disappointment, those things. It seemed like everything was going wrong in his life. And times where he was weary and, and hungry. Times where he even lacked an appetite. Times when life had a bitter taste. So we see in David something of ourselves, I think, or we... We ought to see in David something of ourselves. That way it can teach us. David didn't mindlessly write songs of praise that ignored the issues. David didn't gloss over the issues of life. David was honest with God. He was honest with God. And that's one reason we love him. That's one reason these songs, and, and that's what the Psalms are, they're songs whose tunes have long since forgotten, been forgotten. But the lessons of these songs echo throughout history because he was honest with God. Their melodies have a truth. If you'll forgive the, the, the musical uh, relationship, their melodies have a truth that ring in a major key in our hearts even when we're living in a minor key moment. Although David was in the desert, David had not lost his ability to hit the high notes. David, with everything going on in his life, had not lost the ability to see what God was doing. To trust God completely. Even when it looked like there was nothing left to hold on to, he held on to God. Because he had seen in the good times what God had done in his life. And he trusted God to do those things in the bad times as well. This great singer and songwriter, David knew how to, to soar. He knew how to renew his heart. The landscape he was in may have been flat and arid and dusty and inhospitable, 
But his heart could always tune itself to God. And I think that's another great lesson for us. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter what life is, is, is going on around us, we've got to develop and cultivate and utilize the ability to tune into God. The world will distract us. Satan will distract us. He will hurl things at us to keep us off balance. But we defeat that by focusing on the one who will never be moved. On the one who is a solid foundation. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We have to focus on God. Focus on Him and our relationship with Him. Even when he couldn't sleep, David tells us he could still lie in bed singing of the goodness of God. How many of us would be in the situation David was in, whether, whether it's exactly like David or whether it's in similar circumstance, lay in bed with everything going on, just singing God's praises? Boy, what a lesson that is for us. What a challenge that is for us and a, a charge that is for us to sing God's praises. In Paul's letter to the Philippian church, he wrote, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Well, let's just kind of, if we're going to be honest, if I'm going to talk about being honest, I want us to be honest together. Let's, let's admit it right here and now. One of the reasons that God takes us through dark times is for us to live is something or someone other than Christ. And to die is lost for us, not gain. If we'll be honest with the way we approach life. We're not experiencing the same relationship with God that Paul was talking about. Living for Christ is not everything for us. Can you see the progression though? Can you see the progression in, in David's soul through Psalm 63? If you just kind of go back and take a look at it, he senses thirst. Yet he admits that God can satisfy. So what he does? I follow close to you. Lemoyne Sharp wrote a great little book called Preaching Through the Psalms. And he, in that he writes this. It is important to notice that David's soul does not thirst for water. Not for the blood of his enemies. Not for deliverance out of this dry and barren land. Nor for a crown and a kingdom. But his soul thirsted for God. David longed for power and glory of for the power and glory of God to be manifested. He had set his affections on things above and not things of earth. Our problem is that we thirst too little for spiritual things and too much for material and physical things. He wasn't searching for restoration physically. He was searching for the presence of God. He was searching for closeness with God. He was searching for God to, to move in his life. David had a craving. He had a craving. A thirst in his heart for God. And what he learned in worship, what he learned in worship about his relationship with God was now being tested in the wilderness. It's good to remember the times of blessings. 
when we enter the times of barrenness, right? Because we'll experience both of them. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you'll never have rough times. In fact, God promises that we will still experience those things because we are here on this earth, a broken earth. So, it's good to remember the times when God was good to you. The things that He just blessed us with. In times where we feel life is a little barren. We tend to forget though, we have to remember that God uses the wilderness. He uses the wilderness to get our undivided attention. It's when we are alone with God that our passion for Him can be revived. Because it's just, it's just God and, and, and me. It's just God and you. And you can focus and you can listen. And God can speak and you can be directed. David declared in Psalm 63, 1, You are my God. Take a look at the personal pronouns in that. Just take a look at the personal pronouns in that. You are my God. You're mine, he says. You and you only are mine. I'm looking to no other. I don't have a backup plan. How often do we call out to God and say, God, you know what's going on in my life. You know what's happening here. I don't have a backup plan. I have you. My hope is in you. My trust is in you. My faith is in you. A lot of us will do that and we've exhausted pretty much everything we think we can do. But God wants us to look at Him first. He wants us to look at Him first. Being pursued by a rebellious son bent on his death didn't stop him from pursuing God. He would seek the Lord. Not half-heartedly, but earnestly with everything that he had, he would seek God. His pursuit of God was like a man that had an unquenchable thirst. David was exiled from the throne, you see, but he was not exiled from God. God was with him. Have you ever chased after God like that? Have you ever chased after God like you were about to die of thirst and God was all that would quench that thirst? That kind of passion, that kind of, of just intensity, have you, have you ever done that? I would dare say that most believers have never pursued God with that kind of desire. They seek God when it's convenient for them. Michael Catt writes, that's the problem with Americanized Christianity. We think we can pursue God at our convenience. We have little hunger and thirst for God. We want to pursue God when it's convenient for us to pursue God. We want, to, we want God to kind of hang around being ready for whenever we decide we want to spend, engage with Him. Whenever it's convenient for us. Often when people face the end of their life, they begin to take stock. Right? They begin to take a look at their life. They look back all too often with, with great regret. And they recount the opportunities that were, were missed. The parts of life that were wasted. They recall occasions where they came to a, a hard place in their lives. And rather than turning to the Lord, they turned inside. They turned away from Him. They became angry with God. They blamed Him for their hardships. Unfortunately, these folks never took an honest look at themselves in the mirror of God's Word. They never saw God in His Word, but they expected a dead faith to work in a time of crisis. God doesn't work that way. God wants us certainly to turn to Him in times of crisis, 
but He doesn't want that to be the first time in a while that we've come to Him. God wants us to praise Him in the morning. He wants us to praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him at night. He wants us to be with Him regardless of the circumstances of our lives. Not be some kind of fly-by-night, you know, friend that's only around when I need you. We fear, and I, this, this, is, this part really spoke a lot to me, this part of the message and my life as I applied the message to my life. We fear sharing our hearts and our burdens with others because we don't want people to think we're not spiritual. Right? All of us go through trials. Every one of us, regardless of our spiritual maturity, regardless of our, the length of membership we've had in the church, regardless of our relationship with the Lord, every one of us goes through times of trials. But so often, our pride will not let us share with others what we're going through because we don't want people to think that we're somehow weak or less of a Christian, or less spiritual. <clears throat> we worry about the opinions of others, try, trying to maintain our, our facade of everything's great more than getting before God. I think that's why so few of us today have a heart like David. David wasn't afraid to tell the world that he was hurting. He wasn't afraid to be real and authentic and honest with other people, and with God. When was, the, let me ask, when was the last time that you got down on your knees and got honest with God? When was the last time you got honest with God? When was the last time you were transparent with your Sunday school class or your Bible study? The people that are your friends, the people that are close to you, we're not sitting, we're not sitting in, a, in a, a time of corporate worship. We're going to, you know, we're on Zoom now, or we're, or we're starting to go back into classes and meet with people. When was the last time you were really honest with them? When was the last time you begged them to intercede you know, for you about your family or your health or, or something that was going on in your life? Now, I don't mean bleeding all over the front of the church and going into all the gory details. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is being honest before God and being honest before others about the fact that you're hurting. I'll go to people and I'll, I'll visit with them and I'll say, How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. I know they're not feeling good. How was the last time you were honest with somebody about what was really going on in your life? Sharing with people that, that are your, your friends, your church family. Sharing with people that, that I just, I need prayer right now. There's a lot going on in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting or I'm confused or whatever it is. And I just need, I just need some prayer. Y'all, that's not weakness, that's strength. That's not being a coward. Your family exists. We are here to love one another, to lift one another up, to pray and intercede with one another, to celebrate with, with, with us when we're having our mountaintop moments, but also to be there for us when we're in the valley. We've got to be honest. We've got to get honest with each other. We all need to surround ourselves with some honest-to-goodness prayer warriors. You know who they are. You know who they are in, in our church family or in your family or, or friends you've got that you've known for years. You know who the prayer warriors are. People who understand how to get a hold of God on my behalf and your behalf for the situation we're facing. Sometimes I'll just get a text and I'll go, how can I pray for you today from, a, from some, some really honest-to-goodness prayer warriors? And I'll, I know that when I tell them something, 
Number one, it stays right there. And number two, they hit their knees. Man, that's good to know, isn't it? To know somebody like that. How can I pray for you today? Well, pray for, pray for this, pray for that. Whatever it is I've got going on, pray for strength. I've asked prayer warriors in this church and in other churches that, I, that are friends of mine to pray for revival. Pray for revival. Pray for God to do a mighty work. Pray for our families. We've got to get honest with each other. We've got to get honest with each other. And if you don't have folks like that, you're really missing out on a tremendous, on a tremendous source of, of peace and, and reassurance. So find those people. Find those people and grab on to them. They wouldn't ask you how they could pray for you if they didn't want to pray. We all know folks like that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have to be real with them. We've got to be real with them. We have to share things with them that, that keep us from looking good in their eyes. Sometimes we have to look vulnerable because we are. Sometimes we just have to be real with folks. Always being on our A game will never work. Because we're not, right? Always on our A game. And nobody is. That's a real vulnerability. It's one that we're going to have to achieve if we want real revival in our life. We're going to have to get to the point where we would rather them know that we are frail flesh than to try to live in our own strength. There's a, a freedom and a liberation about everybody knowing that you're not perfect. We can just let folks know that we're just regular people hurting too. I want to pray for you. If there's something going on in your life that you want prayer about, I want to pray for you. And there are people sitting in these pews. There are people that are watching on Facebook. There are people that are listening on the radio who love you and who want to pray for you. Y'all, we've got to tap into that. That source of unspeakable power that is prayer. But to do that, we've got to get honest. I don't want to live my life depending on what I can figure out. I know that victory is found in a daily admission of my, of my need for Him. I need Jesus. I need Him every hour. And so do we all. If we're going to experience revival, we're going to have to get real with each other. We're going to have to be honest with each other and be honest with God about us. A lot of times we try to fool God with this facade we have too. And God knows. He knows. We've got to be real. We've got to trust one another and love one another. Pray for one another. And that type of rawness, that type of openness is what's going to open our hearts to real, honest revival. A revival that just brings us to the very throne room of God so that He can open up the floodgates of His mercy and His grace and His blessing, which is what He wants to do when we're ready. When we're ready. And that's, that, that's what we're talking about, is how do we get ready for that? How do we make sure that we're prepared for that?
needs to begin by being desperate. It needs to begin by getting rid of the things in our life that would keep us from God, the junk in, our, in the garage of our spirit. It begins by being still and listening to God. Stop and looking and listening to God. It begins by being honest with God and with each other. Are we ready for that? Are we ready for that type of realness in our family? I hope so. That's where we need to be. That's where we should be headed. A realness. God abides in that. He lives in that. And we in Him, when we're like that, do you want that for your life? Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. Maybe you haven't given him your everything and you wonder how you can achieve this, how you can you achieve that type of honesty with one another through Jesus. It starts by getting honest with Jesus about who you are, that you're a sinner, that your sin has kept you from, from God, that you've reached the point in your life where you can't do it on your own anymore. Things are just too overwhelming and, and you need a power that is stronger than you to, to maneuver and to navigate. You want to you wanna be everything that God wants you to be. How do I do that? Well, you give your heart to Him. You let Him do the growing. You let Him do the changing in you. Let Him do that. You do that by surrendering to Him today. Don't wait. Do it today. He's got a life ready for you. Beginning now. A life better than you could possibly imagine. Father, I just, I just thank you for loving us. Lord, I thank you for your word, how it, it teaches us. And God, I thank you for giving us these people in the Bible that we can read about, read about their good times and their bad times. God, we can read about the tough things that went on in their life so that when tough things happen in our lives, we can identify with their relationship with you, God, and we can have that kind of mold our relationship with you. We can have it inform our relationship with you, God, so that we know that you're there with us when, when, when things are great and you're there with us when things are tough. And God, we know we can call on you at any time. God, you've given us a family down here who are supposed to reach out in love and in support and in affirmation, God. You've given us these people and why we don't use them, I don't know, Lord, but you've given us people to pray for us. For people to, to, to pour themselves into us, to give us a, a, just a, a foundation down here, Lord. People we can rely on, people we can lean on. When times are tough, God, that's a gift from you too. Lord, help us to be honest with you and with each other so that when you bring revival to this place, we will see it for what it is. We'll be able to move within it. And we'll be able to be transformative because of it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.